episode 23 of the global gamers podcast welcome back I everybody up, i changed up the intro that time just a little bit i like yeah. it i think that just works to, well Get yeah the episode count in there maybe that should be a thing now i, th- I, we I think we should it more often yeah i think we should keep that going i like that cool we're, we're making this up on the fly <laughs> uh-huh. yeah um but the game we're going to review today is actually not very much like cutting edge or new in any way it's actually kind of a classic yeah well, so yeah a bit of a programming th- a throwback episode here um very much so but not only is it a th- throwback episode i feel like it also scratches an itch that we haven't that we haven't on a subject we haven't really di- like di- dived into that much and that is games that work really well for more than four players. Yes. And you just avoided saying delved. I did. <laughs> Very consciously. So I said it. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm trying. When's the last time that we reviewed a game that was like, I don't want to say this is like a party game, but like party game adjacent. Um, mm. I don't know. I'm looking back. At I don't the know. List I don't know if like, we've done any because I know we have maybe I, quacks, which is like real early days. Yeah. But how many can you do that with only up to five? Right? Yeah, that's true. And that's with an expansion. So I wow. don't, I don't think we've done any games that are like hits for like six or eight players. Yeah. Well, I think this is a good one to kick that off with. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be reviewing Citadels today. And Citadels is probably a game that you've heard of if you're listening to this. Um, the original was released in 2000. Yeah. Which is wild. And that was subsequently, like, I think they like came out with an expansion after that. And then yeah, in did. 2016, they re-released the game with the expansion built in. And that's the edition that you have. Yes. Um, and then there was another edition that came out in 2021. That's the edition that I have. So are there this any game is like between the two editions we have? Because I mean, um, purely aesthetically, mine. Yeah. The only, so I know yours. Um, some of the components. So you, the 2016 edition, which is the one you have, is the yeah. biggest box. Right. version of it and basically the 2021 version was kind of a response to the feedback that the box was too big for what the game is um so it's just like a slightly miniaturized version so some of the components that you have that are in cardboard are just little cards in mine and some of the cards are like full size in your game are like the mini cards in mine yeah um but for gameplay reasons it's exactly the same game like same artwork same components same play there's no like additional expansions or variety or anything of the sort right um yeah but that's just like that just goes to say like this game is so much of a classic at this point that it has been republished multiple times and is still like quite a hit so like i think almost everyone i know who has like any kind of game collection has some edition of this game it's one of those yeah you know like maybe not like as ubiquitous as a ticket to ride but it's maybe like a half a step below that yeah well yeah so i probably a lot of listeners that either have this or like maybe you were at a game night at some point at a friend's place and you're like oh yeah we broke that game out and we played that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and also kind of like showing its age is the theme. Like this is very much in the prime or maybe a little bit even on like the early end of like medieval Western Europe city building games. So this is coming out around the same time as like Carcassonne and Castles of Burgundy. Yeah. And, but like still predating some of those other games like Concordia maybe, or like obviously, uh, the West Kingdom trilogy that comes much later on, kind of on the tail end of that thematic right. trend. Well, but well, yeah, I was I was gonna say you you just read the the description of this game and you take out the word citadels and like the high level thematic version 
it basically sounds like Architects of the West Kingdom. It absolutely though, does. Even yeah. though the gameplay like, is very different. Like you're all competing to be the the master builder of the kingdom and build the most impressive medieval city with different buildings. But the gameplay mechanics you use to do that are very different. And like, I, you know, for, for, for any listeners that maybe have not played this game, uh, but have played architects of the West kingdom, I don't know how big of a demographic that would be, but um, (laughs) you might be confused. Like, how do you make a game as complicated as architects into a six or eight player game? That sounds long. I, I just kind of thought of this. It reminds me of, you know, those um, cooking shows where they give all the participants, they're like, these are the ingredients that you must use. Yeah. And you have 30 minutes to do it. And that like, they somehow come out with completely different results. Yeah. That's kind of what this is. It's like someone gave two different designers. Okay. The ingredients you have are building buildings in a medieval city. um, That is like, you know, the completely most generic theme. Um, and the wind condition has to be tied by building stuff. Right. And that's it. And then, and then like between, you know, um, Bruno Faiduti, who designed this game, and Shem Phillips and Sam McDonald, who did Architects of the West Kingdom, it's like two different uh, approaches to that. You yeah. know, same ingredients in different ways. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Well put. Yep. So do you want to go ahead and give the standard overview of this game? um for the thematic stuff or yeah yeah sure just that ba- you know the theme and that bgg info dump that we always do on the front end <laughs> oh yeah for sure so um we i mean like like we said this is citadels this is a game by bruno fiduti as um as ed just said uh it's for two to eight players uh, playtime of 30 to 60 minutes and a complexity rating of just a hair over two. Um, one fun fact about this game that I picked up is that the artist of this game may be a familiar name or one of the artists. There are several. I just noticed that. Listed, but um, the first one in an alphabetical order order is andrew bosley who i believe is our everdell artist no yes that's impressive i would never have guessed i know like the styles are completely different just shows what a yeah individual is i wonder if he specifically did the character work could be because that would make a little bit more sense and um just to just to clarify when we're talking about the artist um the design work on this we're talking about the more recent editions so the 2016 and 2021 printings of this game right yeah that's really cool i didn't know that yeah that makes me like it even more now i know and uh, um it's yeah as far as rankings it's just outside of the top 100 for family games but mm -hmm. i mean don't let the ratings deter you. This is a this is a fun one, and we'll we'll get into yeah. we'll get into what makes this game tick a little bit more. Um, and but... also, like it's it's ranked four seventy eight overall, and that still like doesn't deter me in any way because that's on par with something like Wayfarers of the South Tigris. Yeah, and I think also for a lot of newer games, there tends to be a recent there tends to be like a recency bias that bumps them up a lot because more people are actively reviewing and talking about them and this one you know i would not be surprised if you could like go back in the in the archive and look at like where this was in i don't know 2010 or 2015 or something i bet you it would be you know pretty high up sure yeah um but one of the things that makes this game fun. I won't get into the mechanics too much because Ed's going to do that in a second, but you're, mm-hmm. you basically have up to, you're basically taking on different roles of different like characters in the kingdom and like using their special abilities to help you 
gather the money you need to build these buildings. And so the, the goal for what you're trying to do, it sounds pretty similar to a game like architects of the West kingdom. But as Ed will get into in a minute, the mechanics of how you do that are pretty different. Um, Yeah. And I think the thing that really stands out about this, this game to me is like how, easy it is to teach to folks that um you know maybe aren't doing a game night every other week um yeah this falls in that category of games we've talked about that's like easy barrier to entry high payoff even for people who like more complex games yeah um kind of in that cascadia azul um unmatched category of games that we've talked about yeah native layer yeah um so i'll give a brief rundown of the gameplay sure so basically what you're trying to do is depending on player count you're trying to be the really the first person to complete a city of seven or eight buildings depending on player count and you get points for the buildings in your city um you get like the base values of the points on them. Plus you get bonus points for having one of each type of building. So they're different kinds of buildings. Like they're noble, military, religious trade. Some of them are unique, which is kind of its own category. And you'll also get bonus points for like some of the unique buildings will have like special end game scoring conditions or ways to help you score during the game. And then you'll also get bonus points if you were the first person to finish your city, or if you, even if you finish your city and you are second, you'll still get some bonus points. And then whoever has the most points at the end wins. Mm-hmm. And so the game is going to be played over a number of rounds. There's no set number of rounds. It depends on how long it takes um, for someone to be the first one to trigger that end game by finishing their city. Yeah. And the way that each round is structured is it kind of starts off with. Um, kind of like a card drafting phase yeah. where there are characters who have specific roles numbered one through eight or one through nine. Um, although the, the category nine characters don't come into play unless you have higher player counts. Yes. And basically you're going to go around the table and for a two or three player game, each person will have two characters for a higher player count game. Everybody only gets one. And you're basically going to try and draft one character that you don't show anyone and get rid of another one. Depending on what order you're in, you'll either get rid of it randomly from the deck or you'll choose which one you want to discard. And so you're trying to choose the character that would benefit you the most for what you're trying to do that round. But also you're thinking of what other people took and what you might need to protect yourself against. Because some of these characters um, are more aggressive at targeting other people. Some of them are more like strategic in terms of giving you more resources or helping you build more quickly, things like that. So there's a good amount of variety. Um, this is where the game kind of bleeds over into that party game, social deduction. Yeah. Um, there's genre bl- kind of I mean, like, there's even a the bluffing element to it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and so like, just to give an example, I'm not there. There are a lot of different characters in this game. The original game just came with like one set of characters, but the more recent publications have lots of different characters that you can swap out, but you'll always just have one from each number, one through nine or one through eight. So you'll have like two or three to choose from, from each category. Yeah. But in the most standard version of the game, for example, the category one character is the assassin. And what the assassin does is the assassin gets to name another character And if someone else chose that character, then when that character is called, that person basically dies and doesn't get that turn. So they basically forfeit their turn for a round. So that's obviously a very aggressive move. And so because the assassin is the number one character, you'll call the assassin first. And then you'll go to the number two character, who is the thief. So on, so on, until you get all the way down the line. And once everyone has played, that'll end the round. Mm -hmm. What you're going to do on your turn is you get to you basically have like three stages to your turn the first stage 
is the gathering resources stage during which you can get two gold or um, you can draw two cards from the deck and choose one to keep. The second stage is building. You can build one building from your hand um, if you have the funds to afford it. And then the third stage, which it's kind of a misnomer to say it's the third stage, is your character's special ability. But you can do your character ability at any point on your turn. So you could do it before you gather resources if you want. And that right. would be, for example, that um, that assassin action that I just described. Or another example that's different would be, um, I think it's the... The king, you get an additional gold for every noble district in your city. Um, the bishop, same thing for religious districts. And you yeah. also get protection as the bishop against um, the aggressive number eight character, who's the warlord. And the warlord's ability is like they can pay to destroy a building in someone else's city. Yeah. So there's a lot of variety in the cards. Right. Some of them will help you get additional cards. Some will let you build multiple buildings per turn. And again, there's so many different versions that you can swap these out into so many different combinations, especially once you have people who are more familiar with the game. You can get into more like advanced or strategic characters, which is what I really love. Yeah. Well, and the, the other thing I would note there is that you've got a a blend of characters, some of which are very like straightforward and tactical, like mm -hmm. you, like the warlord. It's like you pay the cost to destroy a building and you destroy a building. And then you yep. have, have others that just introduce a little bit of chaos and element of chance into the game by say swapping hands with another player or like, you know, taking random cards from another player like these kinds of abilities that just kind yeah. of like can upset or frustrate somebody's plans in a r more random way yeah um even a character like the assassin that i described or the thief even those it's kind of a gamble because again like if i'm playing a game with you i'm not saying assassin target ryan i'm saying assassin target bishop and if no one took the bishop, then I just wasted my whole turn because there's no one to target. So even if you yeah. take the more aggressive characters, there's a cost. you might end up wasting your turn because the other person might be like, oh, I can deduce from what's left in the deck as it's being passed around that, you know, there's seven cards left in the deck that initially had nine. The two that are missing are the assassin and the merchant. Pretty good odds that the you know it's 50 50 that the assassin is the one that you took and not the one that was discarded so i'm not going to take something that you think that... might be an easy target for the exactly yeah, yeah yeah because yeah. like, if i'm if i know that like you have three noble districts right and you would get bonus gold for your noble districts if you took the king and i had the assassin then i'd be like cool i think ryan's gonna take the king and then i'll target the king yeah, But then that would be too obvious if you're playing it right. So then you might throw out the king because even though you want it, you might know that I might end up targeting you and you'll take the merchant instead because you think that I won't guess it. But then maybe I'm also thinking, you know, he's not going to yeah. take the king. It, he will take right. the merchant. And then I actually do choose the merchant and, anyway. And, it's, it's and then fun. it goes on and on like this. But yeah. um, just to take a step back, just because I think it's easy to get sucked into this tactical minutia with this game, but just to recap for a second, how like the flow of the, the game works, you start every round, you select mm -hmm. one to two rolls for that round only. Then you go through those rolls in order from one to eight or one to nine. And then within those, you're, gathering resources, either coins or cards, and then you're choosing whether or not you want to build that round. And mm -hmm. then these rounds and doing your character ability. And doing your character ability sometime during that phase. And then these rounds continue iteratively until someone has built seven their seventh or depending on player count, their eighth yeah. building. I would say is it fair to say you'd probably expect maybe like 
between six and eight rounds seems about right in a whole game. I think it hard to say. It depends. Honestly, I uh, I think it depends, and I would guess that it might trend a little bit higher than that because in the early round or two, you might not build. And there's only the one card, I think, the architect that lets you build more than one in a round. There are a couple other ones um, of the fancy ones you can swap in. But there's only um, that one number, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think overall that 30 to 60 minute playtime that's on the box, 30 seems a little bit low. I think the 60 is more realistic. And if you have yeah. higher player counts, I would say 90, especially if people start to like overthink it um, yeah. or like get a bit emotional and like are laughing, you know, about what's going on in the middle of the game, which can happen yeah. as these um, social deduction games tend to, you know, have happened. Um, but that's basically how you play. It's not a difficult game. Like basically all you're trying to do is like, some combination of be aggressive, be defensive, rush to build first, and strategically build best. Whether that's specializing in certain district types, having one of each for the bonus points, focusing on the unique districts that have endgame scoring, whatever it is you decide to do. Yeah. Um, so, but that's basically it. Well, and I, I feel like now we're veering maybe a little bit into gameplay tips and strategy, yes? Yeah, I think so. Um, so, I mean, you already touched on a few things. Do you want to expand on any of that? Um, I think the big one was just like the social deduction element of it. Um, the kind of bluffing and double bluffing, keeping track of that and like thinking not only what do I want, but what is someone else likely to take? What do they want? Mm -hmm. And how can I best either protect myself or undermine what they're trying to do? Um, and then the other thing that I would say is I think that this is a game where like it's kind of hard because the strategy changes every time depending on which characters you're playing with and how many people you're playing with and even who you're playing with. But my general approach is I really do try my best to have at least one of each district type in my city and i think it's okay that like if you're like you know what i just need whatever religious district i could do a cheap one it's fine even if it won't be as many worth as many points if the other ones you have supplementing it are like good unique districts or you have like one or two five point or six point buildings because at the end of the day like you get i think it's four bonus points for finishing your city first so like you'll make up for it and if you're the one who triggers the end game you're automatically getting bonus points that no one else is getting. So it's okay to build cheap sometimes. Well, and not only that, but it's an opportunity cost, right? Like you're saving those extra coins from building something cheap to build something more expensive later. Yeah. What about you? Any tips? I think, I mean, you hit on good ones. I think one thing I would mention for first time players or folks that haven't played it in a while as a reminder is that I think it's easy to get caught up in the roles in the sense, in the sense, especially in the sense that I think it's easy to fall into the trap of like, okay, on my next turn, I really need this role to do this. So for instance, maybe I'm a little bit behind on building count and that's like, oh, I really need the architect this round so I can build multiple things and catch up. Or I'm really low on money, so I've got to like be the thief so I can you know, rob money Steal from somebody else. Yeah. Um, but because you're, because it's open drafting and you're rotating most rounds who you're starting the selection process with, like it you you don't have a way to guarantee you're going to get the role that you're banking on on a given turn. And yeah, so you're, someone else you're, can take it or they exactly. can throw it away despite you exactly. because you so know you, what you want, yeah. but everyone else also knows what you want. So even if you do get it, 
they could also just like throw it back in your face by taking something like the assassin or the thief. Well, or right. And, and so, and, and, and so the, the lesson there I think is to like have a fluid enough strategy that your, your whole enterprise and isn't hinging on like your key to success isn't hinging on having one particular role on one particular turn or you're screwed. Right. The other thing I would say, since you brought up characters, that I would just advise new players to consider is I think that a common pitfall that I see with people the first time they play is they tend to gravitate to those like number one and two roles, those assassin thief types, the really aggressive ones, because they're very obvious in how they undermine under other players. Mm-hmm. Uh and like it's fun to kind of play that role of the spoiler in the game, but there is an opportunity to cost to that. And the more you do it, the more people kind of catch on to you, you know, and the more like it's not going to work. Well, um, well, and especially because like with something like the assassin, like you can ruin another player's turn, but like you're also forgoing your ab- exactly. your ability is not contributing to your city really at all and so you're foregoing the opportunity to advance your own city to undermine someone else and have an uncertain prospect of undermining someone else yeah final other tip that i would also say as well is that when you're playing this game especially for new players who don't know the rules that well it can seem that some of the characters are useless or not as useful as some of the others. And you might be like, what's the point of having the bishop? Or what's the point of having the king? And you might just assume those are not as good. But in my experience, like everything is pretty well balanced. With the it's exception of situation. One, one or two roles. It is situation. I also think it also is like the balance kind of shifts as the game progresses. Yes. So those um like the king, the bishop, the warlord, those types, they get better as the game goes on because they are giving you additional resources based on what you've already built. Yeah, because they have so sy- like, synergies with specific district types. Yeah, so like the character power balance isn't static, which yeah. is really interesting. And I, I like that about this game. Well, and some of them just have have powers that... Some of it's the 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 how valuable different powers is shifts a lot over time. Like once you're getting towards the end of the game and you've built a lot of your really powerful buildings, like suddenly the bishop's ability to shield your your buildings from destruction becomes a lot more valuable. Like, granted, someone who's the warlord is going to have that opportunity cost themselves of like, do they really want to shell out a ton of money to destroy a really valuable building of yours but like if they see you're going to it's near the end of the game and you've got one of each type and they can just take out one of them so you suddenly don't have one of each type like in those kinds of situations the bishop starts looking much more attractive than in earlier in the game agreed cool um so best thing about this game i think the the best part about this game is something we've already touched on. And that is just the, the, the social, the like fluid social deduction of this game. I mean, I I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase it, but, yeah, just how situational sp- specific the different roles are and how much variability there is to the different ones you can swap in. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think I've even played them all and have owned the game for, you know, a few years. Yeah, I have. Um, and what I'd say is, like, what I like as well is, like, 
even though you're always going to have a category one character, right? And they're all the character category one character is always going to be aggressive. They're different flavors of what that looks like. And when you have different combinations in place, if you're the type of person who wants to play a really cutthroat, destructive, you know, version of Citadels, you can pick and choose characters one through nine who will do that for you. And if you want one that's like, more pacifist you can do that if you want a version of this game that's very much like people are drawing a ton of cards all the time and like cards are the main currency you can do that if you want one where like you're almost never drawing cards and everybody's like loaded up with gold you can do that um you can also like customize the deck a little bit like if you want like you can take out some of the unique unique districts you can play without the unique districts you can play with all the unique districts um yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of adaptability in in that sense, but um, I didn't explain it very well. But I think what I was trying to get at with the fluidity of the roles is also just, um, well, this is maybe a not the greatest analogy, but I'm thinking back to the game playing the game of life a while ago, <laughs> and interesting, and the fact that you know, just luck of the draw, you get a certain occupation and income early in the game. And you have a few opportunities over the course of the game to swap with other players, but like only a handful of times. And so if you end up with like a less than ideal combination, it just, it it really impacts the how enjoyable the experience is because you're so limited in what you can do. And I feel like this game is the exact opposite of that. You have a bad round, you shake it off because you're picking a new role, role every round. Yeah. I have, I have like a little asterisk next to that though, which I'll get into when I say worst thing about this game. Sure. But uh, Um, I do, I do like that element of the game where, you know, you're not, wedded to a single character for the long haul because i think it opens up some strategic possibilities and also some a little bit more makes the game potentially a bit more forgiving to the vicissitudes of chance yes um so my favorite thing about this game is i mean i feel like we've talked enough about like the different character roles and how you can switch them up um but in a similar vein the unique districts are really fun yeah for the most part i will say and this is like tough that i have a caveat in my favorite thing but like there are a couple in there that i do think are too powerful are you talking about the dragon's gate specifically that one (laughs) (laughs) but for the most part i love them and like they're really fun because in a way they almost feel like additional character powers sometimes like they'll help you draw more cards or get more gold and i love um one that i like a ton is um like the wishing well is fun yeah the wishing like gives you additional rewards um i mean the wishing well is basically uh is basically the ever tree from everdell yeah um and then like the crane is kind of fun because it is like basically just like the crane from Everdell as well, Mm -hmm. where you can destroy it to build another unique district. Um, I'm trying to remember what it's called. Is it the vault? I think that's the one that you keep in your hand. And if you have it in your hand at the end of the game, you get points for it. Um, well, I'm not sure if that's the exact name of the card, but there is one that does that. And I love it a lot because especially it gets really interesting and fun if someone else knows that you have it in your hand and, and there's a character out there, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or like, even if they didn't know and they just totally stumbled into stealing it from you. And then now they know that you're going to do everything in your power to get it back. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just, I love the variety that the unique districts bring to the game because I think that without them, this game would not be nearly as fun and it would resemble. Um, I know that this is, something that you don't agree with but i think it would resemble to me more of what i don't like about games like splendor where huh. i think that like the set collection would be a little bit plain and i think the unique districts just really shake it up yeah i i definitely so, yeah. 
I, I don't know if I agree with your besmirch, besmirching of Splendor, but I do. I know, I know <laughs> you don't. I don't, I don't want you to because yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to love Splendor. But I, I do agree. I want you to love you. it so much that it, it makes up for me not loving it, and you love it enough for the both of us. Yeah, but I do, <laughs> but I do agree with you on, uh, on the broader point. Yeah, and um, I, I before will... we move on to worst thing. Well, sorry, go ahead. Well, the one thing I did want to say is you you mentioned there was one that was overpowered, and we we well, I initially said the Dragon's Gate, but I are you talking about the Wishing Well because it's worth one po- point for every unique district? No, I like the Wishing Well. Oh, okay. The one I was thinking of is I think it's the it's the one that like gives you more money. Um, I think that might be the. Uh... Are you talking about the laboratory? Discard one card to get two gold. Yes, that one is yeah. nuts. Especially if um, there's a character in the deck that like basically lets you draw like a bunch of cards. Right. Um, it's like you don't get to do anything on your turn, but you get to draw like four cards or something. If you have that, yeah, you just yeah, that's just an engine going, and before you know it, you're just building every single time. Oh um, yeah, that's yeah. definitely I've, true. I've fallen prey to that. There are a couple, um, like, yeah, bugs in the game you can exploit with shrewd combinations of building cards and rules. Yeah, but again, like, I don't even think it's fair to say it's a bug because, like, once you know the deck, the characters, and the buildings, it's a choice to make that combination possible. Yeah. So as long as everyone, like, knows that's what's going on, then, you know... um that's that's fair game but that again references i'll put a point point pinpoint in it that references my uh least favorite thing which i'll get to but before we move on well, to that well, I do you want to wanted go to do a little straight into that slight detour first though sure sure do you have a favorite character in this game that's a good addition yeah i Okay, my guess is that you said that having one in mind, I might need yeah. a moment to think. So I know, why I just, don't you I just, go? I first? sprung that on you. Okay, why I'll don't go, you first. go first. Um, I have two. <laughs> well, why don't you start with one? Because okay, I don't want to take both because yeah, I feel yeah, yeah. like there's a. Ch- I'm going to take the one that I think you're less likely to say. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with the witch. So. The witch, and this is, I feel like this is a good one for me to bring up because this is an example of like how the characters substitute for each other. So the witch is a category one character, which if you're paying attention and have a good memory, so is the assassin. Mm -hmm. And so what the witch is, is basically you'll play with the witch instead of the assassin and it fills a similar role in that with the assassin, you basically prevented someone from having their turn if you guess the character correctly. Mm-hmm. With the witch, it's more fun because you basically get to steal someone else's turn. Yeah, because when you're the when you're the witch, yeah. you get to just like you get to gather your resources and build. Sorry, just gather your resources as normal, and then you basically name another character and then you pause your turn. And so, if I named the bishop, I feel like I keep picking on the bishop. But um, if I'm the witch and I name the bishop. I'll take my resources and then I'll just pause my turn. And then if someone else was the bishop, when the bishop turns, bishop's turn happens, they'll take their resources and then they lose the rest of their turn. And I take over the rest of their turn as the bishop. Yeah, you basically so I get to like, their power, correct? Yeah, like thematically they have it as like you're a shape-shifting witch. Yeah. Basically like a polyjuice potion kind of situation. Yeah. So I think it's it's cooler than the assassin because it doesn't like totally take away the other player's turn so they can still get their resources, which is nice. And I think reasonable, but it also doesn't totally stop you from doing something constructive on your turn. So it's yeah. kind of like having the best of both worlds. Yeah. Okay. Did I, did I give you enough time? <laughs> yeah. I think my favorite. So my favorite one to play with, is uh it's kind of a boring one but i really like the magician Mm -hmm. just because you can target somebody that you know has 
some good cards in hand and instead of it being up to chance of like whether you you're gonna like take the correct card you you know you're you're just swapping hands with them yeah and i feel which, like which again like with some of those unique districts can be really helpful it can it can swing a game that one alone on the right round yeah especially if like you have a big discrepancy in how many cards each of you had in your hand well exactly like save you a lot of turns in the future like if you if you just went on a building spree and have like one or two cards in your hand and yeah yeah um i won't i won't elaborate on it but just for your information uh my runner-up was the tax collector ah yeah so those who are interested can go read up on that um, he's another like he's a little bit more complicated, so I won't, it's a little bit too abstract to describe right now. But just for fun, yeah. Um, so worst thing about this game? Worst thing about this game, I think is I don't know if it's even fair for me to say, but I I kind of wish that the economy you used to build was just a little bit more complicated for it to be just coins. It. So you want a little bit more of that architects. Yeah. Maybe stone and brick. Well, I don't know, like maybe two different resources or something, but like, I realized that would require a lot of retrofitting and re-engineering of a lot of the different powers and roles. So yeah, it's, we're probably veering into the territory of a completely different game or like dramatically different game at that point. So yeah, because it, it would like, it would complicate like the whole pace of things. Yeah, it would. Yeah. And like um, you need characters as well that had specific abilities to get specific resources maybe, or at least benefit off of certain resource combinations. Yeah. And like, I guess like the one, well, the other thing I was going to say is in the absence of that, finding a way to make it a little bit trickier to build some of the like really, really good ones. Like maybe mm-hmm. for some of them have a prereq that has to be built before you can build right one of the more powerful like, ones something like yeah, that. you must you must have built like a market before you can build like whatever the biggest trade district is or something precisely yeah or you must have at least one trade district already built to build this right um and then i mean regarding like the multiple resources i don't know if this would work but what if you just did it where um there's a different resource specifically to build the unique districts. I think because those could, are the ones that kind of have the slightly work. more like fantastical element to it that you could have, yeah. I don't know, instead of gold, you could have like little crystals or something. Yeah. I think that could yeah. work. Something worth if they ever like, you know, well, when they come out with the 2026 edition of Citadels, inevitably, maybe they'll do something like that. Um, we can so my worst it. thing about this game. Yeah. I've, kind of you know alluded to it already but it has to do a little bit with balance and i think it specifically is a play count issue and specifically it's the issue of this game at two players so i've played this game probably at two players more than anything else and it's a lot of fun don't get me wrong but at the same time i think that it's the least good citadels experience you can have obviously with two and three players they try to um, you know, rebounds the game by letting you have two different characters per round. Yeah. But I think that an issue that you run into with two players is that it's hard with some of the combinations or some of those cards, like the laboratory you were describing, or some of the card combinations we've alluded to, that once someone gets ahead, it becomes insurmountable. And you're the only person up against it so like if you put all of your resources and all your turns into like trying to destroy the other person you're still gonna lose because you're not building up your own infrastructure yeah you know what i mean and i think like this game works better and like even if you have two characters like you're still you still only have one resource pool 
Yeah. No, I get you know? it. And get I, I've definitely like seen that happen a lot. And I think that with three or more players, there is a bit of like, if somebody really pulls ahead, then the other players who be, who are behind can kind of like gang up on the other person to like bring them down a peg and help rebalance things a bit. Yeah. I, I agree with you to an extent, although I don't, I mean, it doesn't sound like you do either, but I, I will just emphasize, I don't think this is anywhere near a fatal flaw because no, no, no. And this is only like a sometimes thing with certain cards and certain character. And that's, uh, that's what I, and that's what I mean because it's like, you're talking about a very specific context of playing. This as a two player game. And like, I think arguably you want to avoid that. Like, I feel like you want at least four and ideally six ish players to play this. And I think if you do, if you are in a situation where you're playing with two, I think you could even take out some of those unique districts to, I think that's what I've learned to, uh, but you'd need everyone to agree on exactly which ones. Right. Um, and again, right. like it's kind of, yeah, it's it's odd. It's like very situation specific. Um, but like when it happens, it's it's really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but that's that's it really. And again, like that's not really a that's not a huge criticism because it is very uh, situational. Um. Oh, the other criticism I would say is a specific criticism for the 2016 printing, the one that you have. Um, yeah. Yeah, like that was unnecessary for that box to be so big. Um, yeah. And I'm glad that they fixed that with the 2021 because like this should be like how it is on my shelf now where like it is right next to um, Resistance, Avalon and Codenames in terms of like box size. Yeah. That's that's and like Condottieri. This should not be next to Cascadia and Betrayal at House on the Hill <laughs> and Azul, which is where right. it was. Yeah. Um and I think that that's because as you said this is a game that like you really want to be able to take with you to parties and on like group trips and places like that and so like making it uh easily transportable is a big plus and that is a feature that the original 2000 edition had and that the new 2021 edition has so i would recommend at this point get the newest edition i think it's the best one even though like the 2016 edition has the nicest overall component quality Mm. um i think that it's not big enough of a deal to justify getting it over the new edition that's fair and at this point i don't think unless you're like super nostalgic about this game i want it for collector's reasons i wouldn't bother trying to get the original 2000 edition because it has really old graphic design and artwork and it doesn't have as many characters and um unique districts in it and it's probably harder to expand Plus, it's hard. You can get a lot of like used point. copies because people sell it off, and like you can get sure. like a used copy for like five dollars. But meh. Yeah, I would say just just get the new edition. Yeah, yeah, cool. So, um, let's just do final rating of this game. Yeah, I think it's I think it's about that time. Yep. Uh, do you want to go first, or do you want me to? I can go first. Sure. Um, I am gonna go back to my uh habit of giving games an eight so yeah that's it for me an eight i think that this is a solid game that i really enjoy um every time that i play it with the little caveat of some of those annoying situations where things just kind of spiral out of control in two player games or with certain card combinations but other than that I think again it's like it's that sweet spot of easy to learn, easy to teach and still really satisfying um as like a puzzle and a social deduction experience that isn't just people screaming at each other and calling people liars all the time, which is fun. There's a time and place for that. Like I love that, you know, in a certain certain uh contexts, but yeah. If you want like a little bit more sophistication, then this is this is the perfect game. Yeah. 
No, uh, what do you think? Well, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, I'm also giving it an eight. And nice. I think for me, that number warrants maybe a little bit more context or explanation just because I think I have veered into sevens territory more than you on ratings. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so the reason I'm, and I, I will say it, it's possible that on any given game night, there may be a game that I rated in the sevens that I would rather play on that occasion. If it's like three or four of us, than this game. Yeah. But I don't, there's not, there are very few, if any, I, okay. I'll say there are very few games that I would rather play at higher player counts. Like, Code names is fine, but I would rather play this than Code Names nine times. Not even close. It's not close. Yeah. And the, again, like, and, and I think this and, is like the, yeah, the and, smartest game to play at a higher player count. Well, and so I'm so I'm basically giving it a little bit of a point premium for filling in a hard to fill niche on the gaming shelf. Um. So that wraps up episode twenty three of the global gamers podcast and we'll be back next week with a discussion episode um to be determined what that will be but with any luck it'll be as fun as the last few that we've done yeah particularly that last one i really enjoyed that last one yeah that was a fun thought experiment the uh like kickstarting a or jump starting a a gaming shelf with uh with a limited budget on a budget All right, well, I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. See you next week.